Duncan McLean is the Doctor of Movies. Episode 37 of the Doctor of Movies podcast, The Martian. In a long career that's had its share of hits and misses, Ridley Scott has somehow managed to consistently make one great film per decade. In the 1970s, it was Alien. In the 1980s, it was Blade Runner. He then showed us that he was more than just a great science fiction director with Thelma and Louise in the 1990s and the Swords and Sandals epic Gladiator in the 2000s. After a bit of a recent dry patch with Exodus Gods and Kings, The Counselor, Prometheus and Robin Hood, Scott has returned to form with a film which could well be his great offering of the 20-teens an adaptation of the Andy Weir novel, The Martian. This will come as quite a shock to my crewmates, and to NASA, and to the entire world. But I'm still alive. Surprise! The Martian gets straight into it, establishing its scenario instantly. Botanist Mark Watney's 18 souls, or Mars days, into the Ares 3 research mission on Mars when an enormous storm hits, forcing his team's immediate evacuation. Struck by debris and assumed to be dead, Watney is left behind. But he's not dead. And despite being stranded 55 million kilometres from home, he has no intention of dying. He takes stock of his situation. It will take four years for any rescue mission to reach him. He has enough food rations to last him one, so he has to work out a way to grow food for at least three more. His shelter is only meant to be temporary. He has to make it permanent. He has to find a way to let NASA know that he's still there. If he's going to survive for long enough to be rescued, he determines that he's going to have to science the shit out of this. Luckily, I'm a botanist. Mars will come to fear my botany powers. The Martian is therefore a film that turns on the solving of problems. It could well be the first botany procedural, and its strength comes in large part from how plausible it makes everything seem. While we're obviously a long way away from sending manned missions to Mars, the attention to detail and scientific logic of Drew Goddard's screenplay, drawn from Weir's novel, mean the film doesn't feel like a fantasy. It feels immediate and true. It is refreshing to see a film in which it's the hero's intellectual rather than physical prowess that's celebrated. The Martian is ultimately an ode to human resourcefulness and intelligence. Ridley Scott delivers a much lighter tone than you might expect for a film about one man's fight for survival stranded in a hostile environment. This tone is largely set by Matt Damon. Combining the sardonic humour of Weir's book and Goddard's screenplay with a healthy dollop of his own charisma, Damon makes Watney a likeable genius everyman, an unusual combination. Despite him being alone, the film finds a way of getting him talking. In Castaway, Tom Hanks had a volleyball to talk to. Here, Damon has a series of GoPro video cameras, which he uses to keep a diary. An important device, these diary entries allow Watney to explain to the audience what he's doing and provide him with opportunities to show his personality. He's 50 million miles away from home. He thinks he's totally alone. He thinks we gave up on him. I mean, what does that do to a man psychologically? the hell is he thinking right now? I'm definitely gonna die up here. 
If I have to listen to any more god-awful disco music. This irreverent tone is complemented by some bold soundtrack choices. Rather than sticking to a traditional dramatic orchestral score, Ridley Scott punctuates his film with disco music. Adding to the torture of Watney's situation, the only entertainment he has available to him is the music collection of his departed commander, Melissa Lewis, who has a passion for disco that Watney does not share. There are shades of Guardians of the Galaxy in the way that music juxtaposes the action, while tracks like Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive and David Bowie's Starman take on a literal significance. If we could talk to Mark, we would tell him to stay put and to trust that we are doing everything in our power to bring him home alive. Don't say bring him home alive, Vincent. You know what? These interviews aren't easy. Any? No more Vincent on TV. Copy that. While Matt Damon obviously carries the film, The Martian is not a one-hander. The scenes on Mars are broken up with jumps back to Earth, which feature a large and impressive ensemble cast, giving the audience relief from the isolation that was not afforded to them in gravity. We watch NASA Chief Teddy Sanders and Mars Program Leader Vincent Kapoor managing the public relations nightmare, strategizing how to get him home and, similarly to when Matt Damon needed rescuing in Saving Private Ryan, wrestling with the question of how acceptable it is to risk multiple lives in order to save one. Contrasting Watney's solo struggle for survival with the response of everyone back on Earth makes The Martian an exploration of humanity in both an individual and communal sense. While most of the scenes on Mars are quite confined, reflecting Watney's restricted world of the shelter and spacesuits, there are moments when Scott pulls out and lets us appreciate the harsh beauty of this environment. Shot near Wadi Rum in Jordan, near the locations David Lean used to shoot Lawrence of Arabia, this Mars feels like a heightened monument valley, giving the Martian shades of the Western as our lone hero journeys across this most treacherous of frontiers. Coming in at 141 minutes, this amiable film never feels long. The Martian is an enjoyable, funny and absorbing film that excites you more with its intellect and ideas than with explosions. Four and a half stars. The Martian is a 20th century Fox release and is rated M for survival themes and coarse language. I'm Duncan McLean and you can find more of my reviews at doctorofmovies.com and follow me on Facebook and Twitter at Doctor of Movies. (laughs) 